1: It's not a silly little moment. It's not the storm they fall calm. This is the deep and dying breath. Of this love that we've been working on. Can't seem no hold you like a want to. So I can in my Hello, hello. What's up everybody, and welcome to the second edition of the Lone Gummin Podcast. This is your boy Rob Clark welcoming you back or for the first time if it is your first time I' would encourage you to go back and listen to the first one first. Uh, it'll let you in on what this podcast is going to be about and uh, I just want to get something out of the way real quick. Uh, I'd just like to thank everybody for, for taking the time to listen. Um, I'm sure like most of the people you know if you're taking the time to listen to this JFK podcast, then you probably <clears throat> feel pretty much about it like like I do. You know, it's uh it's more than a hobby. It's not quite an obsession, but maybe it's reached that level a time or two. But, uh, you know, I'd just like to thank you again. And if you like what you hear, just please share, listen, spread the word. All over social media, whatever you got. Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, whatever. Um... And, uh, I just wanted to make sure you know that, uh, I'm always going to keep it real here. I don't like the word politically correct. I think it's crap. And I'm always going to keep it real. So, there might be cursing. There might be opinions you don't agree with. And that's fine. Um, just know, you know, this is... There's nobody backing me. There's nobody sponsoring me. There's nobody giving me money. There's it's just a passion. And that is it, pure and simple. And uh, What's weighing heavy on my mind today, before we actually get into the meat and bones of this podcast, um, it just amazes me, because I know most of the listeners here are going to come from Facebook. And in real life... I don't know about anybody else, but I'm sure most of you can relate to this, Then, in, in real life, most of us don't have anybody to talk to about this, because to most people, they just don't care. They're not interested. It means nothing to them whatsoever. You know, they much rather worry about going to Starbucks or, you know, watching Jersey Shore, whatever, you know. <laughs> And the more and more kids coming up, the less and less interest is gonna be. And uh, you know, Cyril Wecht has his conference passing the torch and uh, the question is who's gonna be grabbing it? You know? Uh a lot of these first generation researchers are dead or retired, quote quote. Um you know, sure, you have a couple middlings and you have a couple wannabes, you know, and, but you still have some good people out there doing still good research, you know. I'd recommend Greg, Greg Parker's new book, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's Cold War, and then the subsequent books I'm sure that he's going to be putting out are going to be great as well. Um, there's always going to be new information to find out. Um, But the the point of what I'm saying is that it's a great thing for all of us to be able to connect to each other and talk to each other and share with each other. And it's something that we don't get to do in real life. And when you spend so much time doing this, you know, you you make really good friends. Uh, You meet some really great people you also meet some really horrible people and and I would just, this is not directed towards the horrible people, but to the good people out there, even though I've never met you in real life, I know that if I did, that that we'd get along good and we'd be friends in real life. Uh, But anyway, back to the point. This week, um, I'd like to speak to you a little bit about Mr. Buell Wesley Frazier. Now, we all know Buell's tale that he told the Warren Commission, and if, if you don't know, this might not be the podcast for you, but if you don't, feel free to Google Buell Wesley Frazier and it'll tell you everything he told. Um... Now, there's a couple things about Buell Wesley Frazier that uh, they don't quite add up. They don't quite make sense. And quite frankly, I think Buell Frazier is lying, is a liar. That's right. Some people don't like to hear that. For some reason, they think Buell Frazier is the sacred cow of the assassination. Sure, he comes across as a real nice, down-to-earth guy. Real soft-spoken, talk like this about Lee Oswald. Well, I said, sure, Lee. Go, I, I, I no problem, buddy. I will give you lip. Okay. Now, here's a problem I have with Buell Fraser. All right, and it all starts. Okay. Just from reading testimony, you read about work, working at the TSBD. Okay. In the meantime, around the time that Frazier and Oswald are hired, okay, there was eight other black employees that had been laid off. Okay, now, when you lay people off, it kind of means that, hey, we don't need you right now, but we might in the future. So you can either get another job or you can wait. And they did keep on other black employees. We know that we got Bonnie Ray, Junior Jarman, Harold Norman, Charles Gibbons. So it's not like they didn't have any there. Um. So why did why the need to hire Buell Fraser and Lee Oswald? Now, if it weren't for Buell Fraser and his sister, Lee Oswald would have never known about that job. Or he never would have got that job at the school book depository. Okay, that's indicator number one. Stay with me here. Okay. Indicator number two. Alright, Lee goes, checks it out. Goes and talks to Mr. Roy Truly. Truly hires him on the spot. No problem. Bam. Hired. So, now, we have Buell training Lee to do this job okay which can basically consisted of going from floor to floor to floor to floor and pulling different books and getting all these orders together and uh, getting them ready for shipment. Now as you know back then there was two versions of textbooks okay you had the students' version and you had a teacher's version excuse me now the teacher version, you know, had different notes, had the answers to whatever you know, little quizzes or whatever in the book. You know, and the student version was the one that they learned from, and the teacher's version is the one they taught from. Okay, and, and from listening to different testimony of, of the people there, it was very, very hard to pull in order, 100 percent correct the first time, because. Somehow, some way, something would always get screwy. As you can imagine, you know, when you jump from floor to floor, box to box, teachers' edition, student edition, the numbers and everything else. Okay, well, they have Buell Frazier, who'd only been there for nine weeks, okay, training Lee Oswald when he's hired. So they have a new hire training another new hire to do his job. And somehow, Lee Oswald is, is able to pull these orders flawlessly. No mistakes. Hardly ever. Okay. He didn't much talk to anybody, but he managed to pull these orders flawlessly just about every time. And he was kind of known for it in the little short time he was there. Um, so we have Bill Fraser, you know, training Lee Oswald. You know, they're spending a good amount of time together. The Payne's house is a couple doors down from the Randalls, where where Fraser's staying. Of course, Marina's staying with the Payne's, and Oswald goes there sometimes on the weekends, you know, to spend time, you know, with Marina and the kids. And okay, um, now fast forward a little bit to about two weeks before the assassination we have reports from the sports drone rifle range of two fellas there um, screwing around shooting at other people's targets but that's not the only time um, there, there, several people encountered these two and uh, including another patron the owner and an employee and supposedly the employee actually helped One of them sighted in the rifle, commenting that it was one of the clearest uh, small power scopes he'd seen. And when you know when he and he actually shot the rifle, he sighted it in and shot the rifle. You know, for for either Lee, who he said was Lee, or this other fella. Now he said the other fella was tall, about six foot, and the other guy about five seven, five eight. Um. Both about 150, 160 pounds. And that the tall fella had dark hair, which Buell did back then. It was very dark. Um, and drove an older model vehicle, which Buell did. He was, I think he drove a 1940-something. I can't remember if it was a Chevy or a Ford right now. Um, or something like that. They all pretty much looked the same back then in the 40s. Unless you're a huge car buff. But, which is, you know, it's not far out of the ordinary, okay? See, back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of things to do. You know, especially in the South. When you're young and, you know, either you can go spend your evenings in the bar getting drunk or chasing women. Or, you know, you say, hey, hey Lee, how'd you like to go shooting after work today? Huh. And of course to a former Marine and I'm sure somebody was hunted before, you know, Lee said, sure, that'd be that'd be fun. You know, that'd be f- real fun. We can do that. Okay. Now so either Lee has to have his own rifle to shoot with, or he's gonna have to borrow one from somebody else. Now I have a problem with that with that rifle being Lee Oswald, the man like a Carcano. Just from Gil Jesus and John Armstrong's research I don't think that the paper trail holds up um, to that, you know, being his rifle. I don't think he ordered it. I think the FBI um, fraudulently came up with that order slip and uh, Harry Holmes the, the postmaster was in on it too that's just my personal belief but either way okay if he had a rifle he had the rifle if he didn't then he had to borrow one from somebody okay oh, don't worry about it Lee I got an extra one you can use it's, it's kind of a piece of crap but it'll, it works just fine okay so they go to the rifle range They shoot around a little bit Oswald's messing with the rifle well say Buell's you know, bent down and picks up a couple spent shells. We better pick these up through these way, Lee. Okay. So he pockets a couple of them. Alright. Now, the version of events that Buell Frazier has been telling us for 50 years is that he picked up Lee or Lee showed up at his house that morning, he got in his car, he turns around the back and says, Oh, what's in the package, Lee? Curtain rise. Oh, remember I told you? Oh, okay. Yep, curtain rise. All right, go to Dallas, park at the TSBD, the other building, which is a block and a half away, which is where they had to park. And he said that Oswald got out, grabbed his package, cupped it under his armpit, and started walking. But that he had to stay behind to rev his engine up, so his battery wouldn't be dead when he got off work. Okay, problem is, nobody saw Oswald come into that building with a package. Jack Doherty was standing back there. Saw Oswald come in the building. No package. Okay. So. Who's lying? Well, it turns out, if you look up the HSCA testimony of Edward Shields, who was a depository employee at the other building, not the Elm Street one, that when Buell Frazier showed up for work that morning, another co-worker, I think it's Charles Gibbons hollered out to Buell, he said, where's your rider? Because apparently it was so commonplace for Buell and Oswald to come to work together. Hmm. Well, that's a new one, because I haven't heard that before. But it does make sense when you think about this. Where's the bus driver that drove the killer of the president to work for six weeks? Where's all the people that rode on that bus with the killer of the president for six weeks straight? Because when people ride the bus that early in the morning, they're going to work. And they go to work every day. Okay? So they would have noticed this guy. Oh my god, that's the guy that killed the president. We've been riding on the damn bus with this guy for six weeks straight. Didn't know it. Well, you haven't heard of him because they don't exist. Okay? Oswald had to get to work somehow. Okay? Why not Nice Guy Buell? Lee, it's no problem, buddy. I'll swing by and pick you up on my way in from Irving every day. We'll grab you and I'll, I'll take you home too. All right. No problem. Okay, so apparently, Buell answered them by saying, I dropped him off at the building. And Edward Shields is standing right there and he hears all this. Okay? And Edward Shields has no reason to lie about anything. He's just standing there. So let's think about the implications of that for a second. Of Oswald being dropped off at the building by Buell Fraser that morning. Okay? Now... Even still, Doherty said he saw Oswald come in, no package. Okay? But you got to think to yourself, why would Buell lie about bringing Oswald to work and taking him home every day? Because that puts him in real close company with Mr. Oswald, the accused assassin of the, pres- of the president. And Buell doesn't want to be in that position. Okay? now take this as a for instance now I'm I'm gonna take a little journey into what if 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 land okay all right what if you know after Gibbons yelled at him hey where's your rider dropped him off the building okay da 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 eddie shields gets done with his cigarette flicks it walks back inside and Buell's sitting there revving his car up looks around okay when nobody's around he gets out pops the trunk perhaps a package out of the trunk. Him being a little taller and lankier than Oswald, maybe he could fit a three-foot package up under his armpit and get into work without anybody seeing it. possible. Nobody saw Frazier come to work that day, or actually come in the building. And the odd part about it was that this day, Frazier had put all his stuff in the basement. When he, he said he, when he got to work, and uh, normally you know he ate with the other guys there, he, you know, ate lunch and then, uh, in the in the lunch room or the Domino room, and uh, you know, talked to the other fellows, and but this day was different. So when he's standing out in front of the Texas School Book Depository watching the motorcade come by, he looks around and he said. Hey, there's a couple people out there eating and he got a little hungry so he went back down to the basement to get his lunch so he comes back up he's eating out there president comes by you know it is what it is now he said he stayed out there so long on them front steps that he saw Oswald walk out of the building walk down Elm Street to Houston to Maine but in the in the uh, photographs taken after the assassination or in, in films I, I just don't see Frazier anywhere upon them steps now I do see him in the Wigman film and there's a couple stills of that where you can see him plain as day He's black jacket black hair standing right there on them steps can't see him in the alchins because it's it's uh, He's probably back up in the shadows, but you can clearly see him in the Wigman. He's out there. Um, now, when Baker and Truly come in, there's a problem. They can't get an elevator down. It's apparently, the elevators weren't working because Sandra Stiles and company tried to take the elevator down when they were leaving the fourth floor immediately after the the, uh, the assassination took place so they had to walk down the back stairs so right there tells you the elevators weren't working for a little while there was a secretary in there the phone system went down for a little while okay so what if after Truly and Baker ran into the building alright they can't get the elevator to work they go up the steps Frazier comes in goes down to the basement turns the elevators back on, turns the phones back on suddenly they're working but did he buy enough time for the assassin the real assassin to make their getaway that's the question now remember after the assassination they couldn't find Bill Frazier either okay he was in a hospital visiting his sick dad when they found him like three hours later and they kept him for eight hours, gave him a lie detector test, interrogating him. You know, we still don't know the results of this lie detector test, you know. Some people say he passed it, some people say he failed it, but we don't have the official documents. Um, you know, we know that Fritz tried to fight him and try to get him to sign a confession, well, according to him. Now, why would you do all that when you already have your suspect? They had Lee Oswald in custody by 2 o'clock. Okay. They didn't even find Frazier until like 4 or 5 o'clock. But they had their guy. Okay. So why are they putting heat on Bill Frazier? Well, I'll tell you why. They had to have somebody put a package or a rifle in Oswald's hand. And, walk, and going into that building with it. Now. Maybe. And we're going to the land of maybe again. I like it there. Buell said okay. I'll give you your package. But you know what? I am not copping that some bitch being 36 inches long. No way no how. Because you are not going to. You know. Tie me into this shit. He said I'll give you. A, him taking a package. And it'd be something, something to argue about, you know, but I'm not going to say it was 36 inches long because that puts me bringing the rifle, the shooter, and it could possibly be an accessory, dropping him off at the building, all this other stuff. No way. But I'll, I'll tell you, he had a package. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, he told me he had curtain rods in a package. It's about two feet long. Yeah, we'll go with that. Now I don't know if he told them that or this is what he's thinking in his head and he just dropped the whole 24 inch curtain rod story later on them, it's hard to tell, because we'll never know. But those are just a couple of my thoughts on Mr. Buell, Wesley Frazier, and also interesting to note, uh, there was a book back in the 70s written called The Assassination Tapes, and uh, it was determined, using voice stress analysis, that Buell Frazier was lying in his subsequent News interviews, you know, like the next day or whatever, he, he took a reporter for a ride in his car from the, on the ride from Irving into Dallas. You know, they reenacted the, the, the trek to work and uh, they determined that, uh, that Frazier was lying. They determined that Oswald was telling the truth in custody. And the author of the book tracked Frazier down. Now, Fraser's a very hard man to get, to interview, to research. Because there is no Buell Fraser book, you know. How many researchers can you name off the top of your head that have gotten to in? that have gotten to question Buell Isaac, or Buell Fraser. This is the only guy that I can think of, and he had a hell of a time getting to him. I mean, they lied to him about where he was at. You know, he was stonewalled by attorneys, and he finally finally tracked him down at some some uh, military base down there in Texas. Got a hold of him, you know. Buell pretty much told him the story right there in person again, and uh, they determined he was lying again. So there you have it, people. Something is definitely fishy about Buell Fraser, and I am not afraid to say it, and if you have anything to, you know, the contrary, I'd like to hear it, but uh, they had to get that right... If you don't believe that Oswald was up there shooting on the 6th floor, then you have to believe he was framed. You have to believe he was set up. And by who? Who better than somebody else that works there in this building? Okay? It's it's real simple. Somebody not, not conspicuous. Somebody that could have been in there and not drawn any attention to themselves. Who better than the guy who befriended Lee? He went shooting with Lee. he gave give Lee rides to and from work. And then lie about doing that. The man obviously has something to cover. And what it is, we'll never know. But it'd be nice if we did, because Buell Frazier is still alive. He's only 70 years old. He's still with us. As is Marina, as is Brother Robert, as is Ruth Payne. You know, why is it only the people that, that tow the company line are still alive? Ask yourself that one. You already know the answer. Okay. It would just be nice. It's a hope for researchers. It's it's just a hope that these people come clean. You know, before they pass on. Or leave something. Anything. Don't make us wait until 2035 or 2038 or 2017 to figure all this stuff out. Don't make us wait. Just come clean before you die. You know, in this land of... Internets and podcasts and everything. Buell Frazier might might hear, it. might recommend it to him, it might get to him somehow. So, Buell, if you're listening, do a in-depth interview with a researcher. Do an interview with me. I'd love to interview you. I'd love to put you on the spot. Answer the hard questions, my friend. Give us some answers, okay? you've got to know how important you are to this whole thing and you can maybe help us crack this case wide open a little bit by telling us what you know but I'm just going to leave it there for that one and uh, I would like to once again thank everybody for tuning in and I would also encourage you to please check out my buddy Doug's podcast also on Spreaker he's doing it up big on his side he's got the Dallas Action Podcast Uh, he's two episodes in. It sounds great. He's doing a good job. And he actually ran into a little trouble on Facebook. Uh, everywhere he posted that link to his second podcast about Loran Hall disappeared. Poof, gone. So maybe he struck a nerve with somebody somewhere and he's getting a little too close to the truth. And, uh, let's hope that's the case and, uh, yeah like i said please go search on the speaker for Doug Campbell or the Dallas Action Podcast and you'll find him Uh, I created a Facebook page for this podcast the Lone Lone Gummen Podcast so you can search that on Facebook it'll have all the new episodes there keep you apprised of what's going on and uh, I guess that's it you guys have a good one and we'll see you on episode number three all right remember live laugh love and hug your hug hug your loved ones and and tell them how much you love them every day every moment of every day if you can because you never know when it's going to be your last and now a special dedication to a friend of mine who recently lost a loved one just know uh we're out here thinking about you, brother stay strong keep your head up and uh Godspeed, God bless and uh, just know she's in a better place Rob Clark out When I look into your eyes It's like watching the night sky All a beautiful sunrise For oh, there's so much they hold